If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Psalms 22. Psalms 22. That's where we're going to be, really, for the next two weeks. Uh, really, the next two weeks is really just going to be one sermon. And uh, we're just going to celebrate this, this amazing Messianic psalm together. Also, if you hopefully you followed Mike, uh, Micah's instructions and you've got your sermon notes and everything there in front of you, if you notice the backdrop's a little different this week, uh, we're here in our worship center in the foyer, actually, as you can tell by the, by the, in the backdrop. And so there's cars going by. We pray, no train. Uh, but if it is, you'll just feel like you're home. And so sit back. I hope you've got my family with me. I hope you've got your family with you and got your Bibles open. We have just got through looking at Psalms 20 and 21. And if you remember, David was in a battle. And he gathered with God's people before the battle, and then he gathered with God's people after the battle. And then in Psalms 22, we're going to look at the first 21 verses of this morning. There is another battle of another type that David is going through. We don't know exactly what that is, but you can, we'll be able to see from the way this Psalms is written that it's intense. And so this is the main idea for the next two weeks. The Lord and his people are delivered from anguish to joy by the steadfast love of God. And so this week, we're going to focus on the word anguish. Next week, joy. This is at the foundational level. And this is important. If we're going to go to the cross, and we are, we've already been there with the music have to understand this first. This is a lament psalm. David's going from anguish to joy, from lament to thanksgiving. And so we have to start with the beginning. And so this, David does lamenting this way. And we're going to see this over and over this morning. He says, God, why? Why is this happening? At the same time, he says, yet you are enthroned. You are sovereign. You are holy. He does both at the same time. This is lamenting. This is what he's doing. And listen, this is probably one of the most important things I can say to you this morning. Lament is important for you as a believer. It's important for us. It is critical for our spiritual, for our emotional, and for our psychological health to lament. That's what the Psalms wants us to focus on this morning. At the same time, this is David's real life experience that is pointing to someone greater than himself, to our Lord on the tree. Matter of fact, Psalms 22 is often called the fifth gospel because it has more explicit details of the cross than anywhere else in Scripture. And so we've been, that was Pastor Micah's. What his passion was this week and next week is for us to sing about this fifth gospel. At the same time, I want you to see David's heart. Two points. The Lord and his people experience anguish despite the steadfast love of God. And then next week, the Lord and his people are delivered to joy by the steadfast love of God. Let's read just the first five verses and then we'll jump in. Psalms 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groanings? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. 
yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Let's pray. Lord, this is your word, and, and yet this is the suffering of your people, of David, of Israel, of us, and more importantly and most supreme, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who lived, who died, and rose again. And so, Lord, comfort and strengthen and equip Renew your people with your steadfast love this morning. That which comforted David, comfort your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So our, our first and only point this morning, the Lord and his people experience anguish despite the steadfast love of God. And so what we're going to do is going to break this up. This is really just one lament, but we're going to break it up in three because it's in three sections, these first 21 verses, and David's going to show us and the people how to lament. And so we want to see that first. At the same time, I want you to see that this is not just about David. It's not just about Israel. It's about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at both of that together. Notice the first lament. It's in verses 1 to 5. It's what we just got through reading. Look at verse 1 again. He says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? David's saying, I feel abandoned. This is the anguish of feeling forsaken. The word forsaken means to abandon. It means to let go, to leave behind, to depart. Listen to this, Isaiah 54, verse 7. God talking about discipline, his, the people of Israel. He said, For a brief moment... I deserted you, but with great compassion I will gather you. That word deserted, that's what David feels right now. It is the anguish of not only being forsaken, but look at verse 2. It's also the anguish of silence. This is divine silence. David is saying, day and night, I am continually calling out to you, but you are not answering me. It is anguishing to his soul that God... It's not answering. It's silent. And look at the second line of verse 2. Because there is no answer, there is no rest. And at the same time, notice what we're learning. We're learning how to lament. He says, I feel forsaken. I feel the anguish of you not answering my prayers, God. And at the same time, look at verses 3 to 5. Verse 3 says, yet you are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel. Now we are beginning to see David is teaching the people of Israel and by virtue now us, the church, how to lament when we don't understand. We are honest with God. Verse 1 and 2, I feel forsaken. Verse 3, yet you are holy. I feel, yet you are that you are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel. God is not, God's silence is not abdicating his sovereignty over the affairs of men. The history of redemption 
of God's people has proven God's covenant loyalty and his steadfast love. Yet David feels how he feels. And so he says, God has forsaken me, yet, verse 3, you are holy, you are enthroned, you are sovereign, you are the king. Look at verse 1. God is far from saving me, verse 3, yet God is holy. Verse 1, God is unresponsive to my crying. He's not hearing me. And yet, verse 3, God receives the praise of his people. What is David doing? Well, he's lamenting. Look at verse 4. This is critical. We've been talking about this almost every week in, as we looked at some of these psalms. Verse 4, in, in you our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. What's David doing? This is critical, you see, to fighting with faith. David realizes that the past faithfulness of God points to his future, future faithfulness. What he has done in the past, he will do in the future. If we trusted him, if our fathers trusted him, if, if God fulfilled the promises to Abraham, he will fulfill it to me. If he took care of Moses, he will take care of me. This is what he is doing in the midst of his feeling. I feel forsaken, yet I know God is faithful. This is the way the Lord feel. The Lord, remember, was abandoned, and yet he trusted. Steve Lawson says it this way, the greatest proof of the Bible is inspired and inerrant is fulfilled prophecy. If you look at verse 1 again, you will notice something. This is the fourth statement uttered by Christ on the cross. Matthew 27, Matthew 27 and verse 46 says it this way, and at about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This was Christ on the cross. He was forsaken because of our sins. The divine wrath of God was placed on him because he was our substitute. He was forsaken. This separation was the greatest hell known by Jesus Christ. This silence from heaven. You see, Jesus had never experienced that. He had never known a time where his father was silent. And yet there was those three hours of darkness where by day and by night, Jesus cried to his father and it was silent. You see, even with Christ, there was first anguish and then joy. Isaiah 53, a passage, you, section you probably want to, want to mark this morning. Verse 10 says it this way. Notice the anguish and the joy. Yet it was the will of, God, uh, will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. First comes crushing, then comes prolonging. First comes grief and the offering, then comes prospering. David's not done. He goes through the cycle of lament again. Look at verses 6 to 11. He says, but I am. You see that, verse 6? But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by people. What does he mean? I am a worm. We see a worm is not only corrupted, it is corrupting. It is associated with death. A worm spoils everything, and it is spoiled himself. This is what he is pointing to this is like we said this is serious 
This is life-threatening. David is at the point of death. This is how he feels. Not only that, look at verse 6. He says, I'm scorned. So grab a hold of what he's just said and what, and what he's saying now. God is enthroned, but I am a worm. God is holy, but I am scorned. Look at verse 7 and 8. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him. Really to say, if he really delights in him. This is what's happening in David's life. You live long enough, it's going to happen in yours too. You get somebody with a theological measuring stick. They're basically saying, if you had enough faith, this wouldn't be happening to you. If God really delighted in you, if you really had favor, then this wouldn't be happening. That was what was happening to David. He says, I am about to die. And at the same time, instead of helping me, people are mocking me. They're mocking me because I trust in you, Lord. And notice he's not done. Notice the lament. Look at verses 9 to 11. Verse 9. Yet you are. You see it? Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust at my mother's breast. This is important, brothers and sisters. Do you see what he's doing? He's honestly confessing how he feels. His situation, but then he takes his eyes off of the situation, off of his enemies, and intentionally places it on the Lord. He's saying, you are the one who took me from the womb. What is he saying? You made me. He said, I am simply the fulfillment. I am here. I am saved. I am the king. I have received a promise because God made a promise to my father Abraham and he fulfilled it. God knew who I was in the womb. And I trusted him because God chose me. God called me. This is David choosing to think and to meditate on the covenant love of God. At the same time, look at verse 11 in this lament. It's a plea for closeness. Do you see it? Be not far from me. Why? Look at the second line. Because trouble is near. He's saying, God, I want you close because the stress is close. My enemies are close. Death is close. There's no one to help. At the same time, this is exactly what our Lord Jesus Christ feels. The Lord was scorned as he trusted and precisely because he trusted the Father's plan. Isaiah 52, if you've got 53 marks right above that, Isaiah 52 verse 14 says this, And many were astonished at you. His appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. Jesus Christ was not only scorned and mocked, he was beating so bad, he was beaten so bad that you couldn't even recognize him. Matthew 26, he was spat upon and struck. Luke 22, he was blasphemed. Matthew 27, he was flogged and beaten with sticks. Notice this not only happened to our Lord, but also notice David's not done. You see, we just don't cry out to God one time. He's crying out to him over 
and over and over again, honestly about how he feels, but honestly about who God is. Notice verses 12 to 21. He says, I am surrounded. As I thought about this, I remember when we were children, we had a we had a Boston Terrier bulldog. His name was Rowdy. He was a good dog, loyal, faithful. He was tough as nails. He had his dominion in the backyard. You know, he had his fence. He would patrol it. And when me and my sister would come home, he was always waiting at the fence. And one day we came home and Rowdy wasn't at the fence. And so we went and started hollering for him. He didn't come. So we started looking for him, and then we seen him. He was out in the gar- out in the field, and he was dead. We went out there, and we found a ring around him. You see, three dogs had came in while we were gone. Uh, we know that because they actually came back. And they made a ring around him, and they kept encircling him, picking away and picking away to finally they picked him down, and then they, they killed him. This is how David feels. David feels like, a, like someone who has been surrounded by dogs. Look at verse 12. He says, Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. This area was known for their very large cattle. What he's saying here is that his enemy is characterized by strength, by pride, but also their intent. Look at verse 16. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands my feet. You see the imagery of being surrounded and attacked? Verse 14 and 15, he uses words like, I am poured out, verse 14, like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. Verse 15, my strength is dried up. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. This is both physical and psychological. Weakness, anguish. This is anxiety, brothers and sisters. This water and this wax was these inner feelings. Verse 15, the physical, he's thirsty. David was left out to the dogs, you see. And if you can imagine being attacked by dogs and trying to defend yourself with your hands and your feet as they bite you, this is how David feels. And he honestly tells this to God. Here's my question for you this morning. Another really important question. Where do you turn to first when you feel this way? This is important, and I wish you were here. I wish I could see in your face today but I say this out of love for you and with you who are you lamenting to you see there are some who are burdening people that you love because you are treating them like God you are regurgitating all of your frustrations and all of your fears and all of your anguish on people first David's teaching us today that David first laments to God. He tells God honestly how he feels. Not only that, don't miss the context. He writes it in the very Israel's hymn book so that they not only know it and can be reminded of it, but that they will practice this too. 
David says, this is how I feel. I am, but you are. Look at verse 19. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O O you, my help, come quickly. Verse 20. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Verse 21. Save me from the mouth of lions. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. David uses a lot of imagery there, doesn't he? To paint a picture in the, in the minds of people. Everybody knew these, who the, what the lions did, what the dogs did, what the wild ox, oxen would do to you. Here's David's point. David's strength and David's hope wasn't, wasn't in anybody that was human. It, it wasn't in his kingship. He didn't find his strength in a bottle, nor in a prescription. His strength and his hope was in the Lord. And he intentionally, in the midst of his despair, called himself to remember that. Do you see in 1921, he, he comes to this point, come quickly, Lord. Because when you come, your, your salvation comes with you. Your victory comes with you. Your help comes with you. Notice verse 21. Verse 21's turning point. He says, you have rescued me. Do you see that? It's the turning point in the Psalms. But don't miss this this morning. Don't miss how, how clearly that points to Jesus Christ. The Lord was encircled by the powerful. Do you remember who they were? Let's look at it. Look first at verse 17 and 18. You just can't miss this. Don't miss that this was written a thousand years before Jesus Christ. Don't miss that this morning. Psalms 22 verse 17 says this, I count on my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothes they cast lots. Turn with me to Luke 22. Luke 23, sorry. Luke 23 and verse 33. Luke 23 and verse 33. And when they came to the place that is called the skull... There they crucified him, and criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. You see the powerful surrounding him, both the religious powerful and the warriors of that day, both surrounded him, both mocking him. His garments were divided just as David said. You see, before comes public praise, comes public shame. David felt it. And we oftentimes, and listen, we will feel it. More importantly, Christ felt it. Why? Why? What was the purpose behind Jesus' pain? I don't know of any more important question to understand this morning. So let's look at Isaiah 53. Hopefully you still got that marked. Isaiah 53, what is the purpose behind the pain? Isaiah 53, look at verse 5. 
but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Why? Because, verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is before his shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Verse 8, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. So what today? Well, here's my question. The really important question for you today. Do you know how to lament? Here's what I want you to do today. As you think about this psalm, not only this week, but next week. I want you to listen to David, but I want you to look to Christ. I want you to relate to David this morning, but I want you to find rest in Jesus. I want you to lament like David, but find hope in Christ. I want you to remember God's promises, but worship Jesus. You got to look to David, listen to David, but you can't look to him and you can't look to anyone else. You have to look to Jesus Christ. Tell him how you feel. He can handle it. <laughs> I think you found it. Many people can't and many people don't have any answers anyway. Tell the Lord how you feel. We can all relate to how David feels. And if you can't trust me, one day you will. David rested in the promises of God. The God that was faithful in the past will be faithful in the future. He trusted him when he didn't understand the plan. We need to lament like David. Listen, I can't say anything important. I'm saying it because I'm seeing it. Believers, stop regurgitating your frustrations on Facebook. You are ruining your witness. Lament to the Lord. He can handle your frustrations. We feel frustrated, but we must lament to our Lord. He can handle it. He is in charge. Why, God? At the same time, but this is what I know. Somebody else that did this. Remember Job? <laughs> Job 19, that's where we're about to go. Job 19. You remember Job? Job lost everything. The only thing he had was his wife that kept telling him to curse God and die. Of course, he did have those friends. You remember those friends, don't you? The friends that kept telling him, I, you did something wrong, Job. You just need to repent. If, if you just figure out what you did wrong, this will all go away. Job, verse 19. Listen to this. Job 19, verse 25. For I know... That my Redeemer lives. And at the last. He will stand upon the earth. Verse 26. And after my skin has been thus destroyed. Yet in my flesh I shall see God. Whom I shall see from myself. And my eyes shall behold. And not another. And listen. My heart faints within me. Listen, both of that is true at the same time. Sometimes we feel like we're about to faint, but we can say, but I know my Redeemer lives, and one day I will be with Him. 
Here's what we want to do. And this is not just about today. This is where we're headed as a church. I want us to lament to the Lord, and I want you to behold your God. That's why we're about to head to John. It's what we desire. Will you behold your God this morning? Right where you are, in the midst of your situation, will you behold your God? If, if you don't know whether you're going to have a job to go to next week, calling you this morning to behold your God. Hebrews chapter 4. Turn with me. We'll close right here. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. I'm afraid, brothers and sisters, that oftentimes we hear these verses quoted maybe by well-meaning pastors or maybe even you pull them up because your devotion points you to hear. And sometimes these do not grab us because we do not understand the context. Hebrews chapter 4 the author of Hebrews is concerned that, that these professing believers are going to turn around and walk away because of the distress that they're under. He's a, he's, he thinks they're going to turn back. And so he goes to the people of Israel and he tells them, tells the people he's talking to, do you remember God's people who had an invitation for abiding rest but would not believe? They would not abide with the Lord. And so they found no abiding rest. He is pleading with them to enter into a rest that abides forever. The answer this morning is this rest is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Only in him. This is the context for Hebrews 4 and verse 14 that says, Since then we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy, find grace, to help in time of need. Brothers and sisters, I give you Jesus Christ this morning. The one who endured a natural birth. God the Son was a baby. that had to be dressed and cleaned up. He went through the hard years of teenage years. He went through that, yet without sin. He lost people close to him. He submitted to Joseph, who was not his biological father, and he always obeyed his heavenly father. He was betrayed by people close to him. He was scorned by his own family. He lost people. He did it all. He went through it all. Listen, that's that word sympathize. He shared it with us. He went through it. He knows how you feel. He went through it without sin. This is a plea this morning from me and from the, God's word to behold Jesus Christ. The one who shared in what you went through yet without sin and entered into the presence of God. Is not only your priest, but your final and full sacrifice. This is the purpose of the pain. So that we may behold Jesus Christ. This is our first point. And next week, here's what David is going to say. 
We don't understand what's happening, but we will trust our God. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to gather the people of God together, and we're going to praise the name. The Lord and his people are delivered to joy by the steadfast love of God. Will you cry out to him today? Will you tell him how you feel, and will you trust him? Brothers and sisters, as we bow for prayer and then sing, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let's pray together. Lord, this is your word. and It is our prayer that you comforted your people this morning. And not only that, that your word would continue to comfort your people, to comfort our children, our children's children. We stand all, this was written a thousand years before your son came and written down in hymn books of God's people would always remember it's okay to tell God how you, we can tell you how we feel. We can talk to you. And we can be honest with you. And yet, Lord, we remember you are holy. We are not. You are infinite, God. And we are finite. You are transcendent and we are temporal. Oh, God, this morning... We, as a body of Christ, placed our trust in you. And we seek to worship you and to trust you with everything that we have and everything that we are. Lord, will you receive our worship now as we sing to you, as we give to you, and as we live our life this week for you. And our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who lived for us, who died for us, and who rose again for us, and who one day will return and get us. It is in his name that we pray, and that we sing, and that we worship, and that we live. Amen.